Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Arielle Laurie, host of the Blonde Files podcast, where every Wednesday I cover all things wellness. After nearly dying from drugs and alcohol six years ago, I've been on a mission to live my best, most fulfilled life, and I'm sharing everything with you. From how to achieve optimal health, well-being, and fulfillment, to the best beauty tips and even cosmetic procedures, I cover it all with raw, candid conversations with experts and inspirational guests. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. I'm Anisha Ramakrishna, and I'm an Indian entrepreneur and TV personality with big dick energy. I recently left my successful career and my long-term relationship to pursue my own fashion business. I'm single in my mid-30s, and I live with my parents. I'm currently cringing, and I know you are too. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today, my friend and girl boss, Trisha, CEO and founder of Brown Girl Magazine is a guest on the episode, and I am, like, honored. Oh, my gosh. I look up to you. I can't. And I, I don't look up to anybody, honey. That is wild. <laughs> no, really. Like, you inspire me, and I've seen your journey, and I'm just in awe of everything you're doing. And this is a dating pod, so you really wanted to share a quick tidbit on dating and your experience, but you're happily married and girl bossing and hustling. But... Give us your two cents on dating. Okay. Oh my gosh. First off, thank you. I am genuinely so grateful to be here today. Watching you on TV and then meeting you in real life, it was a surreal moment that I share with you all the time. I just, I cannot believe that you are exactly the same person. Yes. And that is the coolest thing. So anyone who's listening is like, oh, is Anisha really like that? Yes, absolutely. She's literally like that and even better. So just thank you for doing you on the show thank you and then taking it a step further by actually genuinely building community 
not for the sake of TV, no. but for the sake that you were destined to do it. And TV just happened to come in the way. So kudos. Thank you. To paving the way for us. For us. And you insisted on dating stories. <laughs> so because I want to get to like the entrepreneurship. Let's do it. Because to me, you're like a queen mogul. But oh you're like, gosh. I really want to talk about dating. So I'm allowing you yeah. to talk about dating for like two seconds. I can't come on your pod and not drop dating. So, yes. okay. I am happily married right now. This year's going to be five years. I cannot believe it. Wow. I have been with my husband, Ashish, for 12 years. We met when he was 19 and I was 20. And it was just one of those moments where you do not accept it. Expect <laughs> meeting someone. It's, yeah. and, and I say it all the time to all my single girlfriends and guy friends that when you least expect love is when it will happen. And sometimes you just have to stop trying. Yes. And that's honestly what happened to me. And so, you know, before meeting my boyfriend, fiance, and now husband, I was all over the place. I was such a mess. I was that typical brown girl that did jump around from boy to boy. And I never allowed myself to like really find out who I am. And I really wish that I did. So if there's any small piece of advice that I could give any single woman or man out there right now, I'd say it's okay to take your time with it. And you don't have to jump from relationship to relationship. It's yeah. worth it to find yourself before finding love. So that'd be my quick tidbit for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and now basically what I want to know is brown girl mag. Like when I think of brown girl mag, I just think of your face and a crown and like you have this empire I don't know what you did before. So tell us a little bit about your background. That's so funny that's how you envision it because my vision of me at Brown Girl is like me hiding under a rock, <laughs> just like hardcore struggling, bootstrap, don't know what I'm doing with my life and just throwing darts in thin air, hoping it's going to work. So I am grateful that that's what you see on the outside because it's not like that behind the scenes. So yeah, so by trade, I'm a journalist. I did a minor in journalism at Stony Brook University, which I will be always grateful to and for that program. It taught me everything I know about journalism and media today. And you're a, you're a Queens girl. Like you've been yes. beat up in the streets. Like yes. you've, it's, you know the streets. Yes, I literally... It was, it's a whole story. I was on the track team. I got jumped. Wrong place, wrong time. That's honestly what it was. But yeah, it was in the middle of Thomas Edison High School in Jamaica High School. So if anyone knows the area, they know what I'm talking about. It was a moment in time that I'll never forget. But yeah, grew up as a Queens girl, came to this country at five years old, knew only a few words of English. So like really hardcore started from the bottom. And, you know, I remember writing a letter to my gym teacher asking him to teach me how to play kickball on the side. So I've been through the entire, you know, immigrant struggle, you know, what have you. Anyways, so fast forward a bit, I pick up a minor in journalism because my goal was actually to go to law school. There's no one in your life that you know that took the LSAT five times. <laughs> Is there? Did you take it five times? I took it five times. So you were dedicated. I was so dedicated, seriously. Speaking of dedication, I also failed my driving test five times. I, I failed passed. mine three times. Okay, three times. that's why we get I along. Five. But not because we don't know how to drive. It's the nerves. I got nervous. That's how I am as a test taker. We know how to do things. We just cracked. That's what happened for my LSATs. Same. I had so much anxiety over my LSATs that it just never worked out. I genuinely did want to become an attorney. And I had two goals. Either I would go off and help on the media side and work in news and entertainment, but, you know, from the attorney side of things, or I wanted to campaign and run for local office. So it's kind of interesting how I could do both and at any point, even without going to law school. So obviously that's me in hindsight. 
but law school never worked out. And I did my master's in public policy. So I still tried. I was like, yes. okay, can <laughs> I get close to law school? I never took my public policy master anywhere. I just got a bunch of different journalism gigs. And my longest stint was with ZTV. Yeah. Everyone's favorite, you know, Daisy Soap channel. So if you're not South Asian and you're listening, ZTV is like the equivalent of the Indian NBC. It's like huge. Yeah. Like you've got shows, you've got news, you've got the whole whole spectrum. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it yeah. for sure. And it's a giant conglomerate and they have um, channels in different languages all over the country. So it was amazing exposure to what a media company looks like. Um, and I think the coolest part of it all is that at this point in my life, I was already pursuing Brown Girl as a side hustle. So I have an amazing friend at the Z office who called me in and said, hey, the folks at Z just bought India.com, literally India.com for millions and millions of dollars, but they didn't have the full vision yet. However, the one idea they had for India.com is they wanted some content to be for the diaspora. And so my friend was like, listen, Brown Girl's doing content for the diaspora for millennial kids. Maybe we bring her in and ask her for some advice. Maybe she'll come on board as a consultant. That turned into a four-year full-time editor-in-chief role where I had more than 150 freelancers write for me at India.com. Wow. But the cool thing was, is I was bringing on everyone at Brown Girl. Incredible. So that's really like those four years was the first time I took Brown Girl seriously because I was yes. like, wait a minute. These are the same writers that are writing for me at Brown Girl as volunteers. These are the same folks that I'm working with just like on a WhatsApp channel or on Slack for fun. But at Z, they are actually my contractors. Yes. And what I realized over those four years is that Z was spending hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to bridge the gap for the diasporic market. Whereas at Brown Girl, we had zero dollars and we were receiving readership yes. and engagement from millions of people across the country. So for people who may not know, Brown Girl Mag is basically a South Asian focused outlet. Exactly. And we do... Now that the company has grown, we are focusing on three areas, which is content, community, and commerce. Yes. I know this now because I have pitched and really worked and bootstrapped the business. But at that time, we were just winging it and doing everything for fun. Yes. So the beginning stages of Brown Girl till today is publishing user-generated content. You could publish anything you want. I really think Brown Girl is a journal and it's a diary entry for hundreds of thousands of people across the country. I think the most gratifying moment for me is when I meet people randomly. They'll be like, I wrote for Brown Girl. I have a byline and they're proud of that. Yes. That's cool. We're basically medium.com. And But you have a lot of readers. I mean, you know everybody. And I've seen the people who follow you and the magazine. I mean, you've got the A-list, you know, behind you. How did you even connect with those people? Like, how did you get, you know, Mindy Kaling? Like, how do you contact these people? I think for me, I am still... I'm so much on the come up journey. Like that is just, I think who I am and what Brown Girl is. I'm again, grateful that folks may see us, that we've perhaps reached a level. But I think the beauty is, is that we are still so hungry. And I think every day it's frustrating for me because I feel like we haven't done enough every day. So like I just finished Slashy Summit like two yes. weeks ago and I'm like, oh my God, what's next? I haven't done enough, yes. you know? So I think that hunger allows me to, truly build a connection. I think, you know, me and you, our connection could have just ended when Bravo promo ended. Yes. But I genuinely wanted to take it further. And I do want to build those long-term relationships yes. with folks who are paving the way. So anyways, I think it's been a lot of us 
making sure that if we built a relationship once, how do I make it last? So I think that's helped our growth and our journey right. over the years. And so it's very easy for people to say, I know Trisha, I know Brown Girl, because I've seen them for five, six, seven years. Yes. And so the reason I wanted you here specifically is, A, I mean, I wish I could show people all sides of your personality because not only are you gorgeous, you're hilarious <laughs> and you have crazy dating stories, but for another day, <laughs> but you recently got funding and, you know, I was picking your brain in Scottsdale. You were there for, you know, my incubator retreat exactly. for the incubator. And why don't you tell people who you got funding from yeah. and how you even got to that stage, because I think that's where, as female business owners, doesn't matter where you're from, we don't know where to even start. Like, yeah. who is going to listen to us? Well, I, And that's the belief. You think no one is going to. And they don't. And you have to, <laughs> and you have to do what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Like, everyone needs to follow your rule book, which is keep pressing, keep pushing. No, Sharon, I'm no, asking Sharon. everybody everything and yeah. anything. I don't care. Until they tell me, leave me alone. I'm going to keep asking questions. I love that about you. Yeah. You're such a hustler. Someone will have to tell friend. me to go away and then I'll go away. Yes, exactly. And I'm definitely on the same boat as you. And I think that's what raising capital for me was like. I spent almost a year and a half on and off raising my first round of capital at Brown Girl. So before raising, we've been bootstrapped since I've gone full time. And people may not know what bootstrapping is. That's sure. when you use your own money and you fund your own business. And sometimes I think I'm an idiot for doing that, but that's what I know. Yeah. And it kind of leaves you, you know, with your own independence in a way. But at some point you need to scale and that's when you need funding. Exactly. So you were bootstrapping all these years. Yeah. And then what happened? Yeah, exactly. And so I am definitely grateful that at Brown Girl, bootstrap for us meant that we were living off of the revenue we made nothing more. So I am grateful that we have been able to do that. And that's the reason we've been able to do that is because of small South Asian businesses. Yes. So they deserve a shout out because that's my bread and butter. We promote them and they come back to us all again and again. Yes. But yes, it was definitely time to scale because there's no one full-time at Brown Girl but me. There's more than 200 folks on the team, but 200 freelancers doesn't mean anything. Um, when you really, really need to scale and prove yourself, of course, they are the foundation and they will always continue to be a part of our company. But we need at least a few um, full-time folks. And that's yes. the main reason why I raised our first round. So essentially, I received a lot of pushback, right? I'm a solo woman founder trying to grow and scale a South Asian media company for South Asian people. Venture capitalists don't find that to be very enticing. I'm not building and this even, even our own, Even our own South Asian communities, like why? Exactly. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a part of Brown Girl when we're hosting events and parties. But when it comes to really writing us a check, I mean, it's like, eh, you yeah. know, and so I've seen all of that, right? I, I know the folks who have leveraged from the platform, but didn't really care to give me much real advice or make intros for me. So I definitely went through that period. Thankfully, I have been one of those people in the South Asian community who's still very optimistic. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I don't feel jaded by the community, even though I've seen hundreds of people just be really wishy-washy with me or yes. not give a crap that we just helped them or supported them in some way and they haven't reciprocated. So somehow I'm still optimistic, but I do want to say that I have been grateful to have seen and witnessed South Asian women and people come forward to write checks for Brown Girl and 
kudos to our community. Yeah, it shout took out us a to while. Auntie Zarna. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, our queen. Hello. Zarna loves me because you love me. So <laughs> thank you for loving me. Um, no, I mean, Zarna is an amazing example of a South Asian woman, creative comedian, mom who came on board to write a check for Brown Girl. Yes. And that meant the world. But it definitely took me a lot of convincing and a lot of time, a lot of pitching to get to this point. Yeah. I raised a couple of checks. I want to shout out my first investor, Bargby. She really helped like rip that bandaid for me. And then I paused yeah. because I was getting a bunch of random wishy-washy advice. I was getting a bunch of no's. I was getting a bunch of we're not interested because your round is too small. And so that was tough too. And I want to tell entrepreneurs who are raising their first round, it's okay if your round is small. Yes. Anytime someone told me my round is small, I'd be like, cool, do you want to help me raise a bigger one? Like, yes. will you actually help me raise a bigger one? Right. Because I don't know how to keep this company afloat and sustainable during a pandemic and still raise at the same time with no full-time employees. I had the same issue because for me to scale, I just wanted like $100,000, $200,000. I don't want a million dollars because I want to stay this way and grow organically slowly. But at that point, they're like, go ask your parents or your friends. That's exactly but what when you, to me. But when you want to do it on your own, that's what they don't realize. Like, you need that $100,000, $200,000 because to take it seriously, you don't want to ask your parents. It's yeah. your thing. Yeah. So now, after all the rejections, what happens next? Yeah, I think that I took a lot of the advice, almost all of it. I redid, reiterated our pitch deck a thousand times. Huge shout out to our team, Jen and Sarah. They really, really helped me. Deepa and Joy, like they were behind the scenes helping me with the numbers of the projections. Because at this point, you have to imagine, I was winging it at a brown girl. The events that I hosted, the content that we published, the lurky power that we launched, the slashy summits we've done, I did it because my gut told me to do it. It sounds like everything I'm doing right now, like everything I'm doing is winging. And like, getting the money somehow and then reinvesting, but it's this constant cycle. Yeah. And so because I had to create the deck and because I had to pitch, I had to really figure out what the vision was. And that had me stumped. Like I was doing the work, but I couldn't put it on paper. So I really took a long six month hiatus from raising capital to figure out what is the real mission behind me even scaling. I figured it out. It's content, community, commerce. At Brown Girl Magazine, we're building a blueprint for an ecosystem yeah. that allows us to scale in three ways. By producing user-generated content, by hosting community-led events, and by producing culturally relevant products that allows us to become an e-com marketplace. And we talked about this like a year ago, and now you got the funding. Yes, because it took me that long. <laughs> people don't know what a pitch deck is. It's a fancy word for a PowerPoint Literally. presentation, yes. but you use the word pitch deck. You worked on this for a year. On and off. Year and a half, I'll be really honest with you. Um, it was a grueling process. I went to so many different like Zoom webinars. Obviously, I tapped on Horses. my husband. Yeah, yeah. Just asked so many different investors and founders for advice. I mean, if you name any South Asian, they've probably seen my deck. <laughs> like, yeah. I went to everyone. I was honestly a sponge and I didn't take no for an answer. Um, and yeah, so I think one of the big things that helped me, thanks to my husband, he gave me this advice, is to start your own fund. So for any new early stage founder right now who wants to raise and they want to just collect small checks, start your own fund. It's called a roll-up vehicle. It's on AngelList. AngelList is so cool in offering you this option to start your own fund and they don't have to pay any fees for it. Okay. They take care of all the legalities and they take care of the wire transfer 
with zero fees. Not me going to angellist.com right after we're done with this podcast. Literally. So what you will do is you will then take this one pager that you've created on Angelist. It's essentially a mini version of your deck. And it's a very cool breakdown. It shares everything in just like a very concise way. And it allows accredited angel investors to literally click one button where it says invest. And then you can choose, you know, between the options of how much you want to invest and you can opt in for your own minimum check size. Okay. I did a very low minimum check size because my goal in this round was to bring on South Asian folks who then I can add to my cap table, who can then later help me raise a larger round. Yes. So this round wasn't necessarily about the dollars. It was about the people backing me. So now, thankfully, I do have like this mega cohort of like 17 angel investors and every single one of them is fucking cool. Yes. And I'm proud of it, but it took me a while to get there. And then finally, at the very end of me raising, we were accepted into Andreessen Horowitz's brand new incubator program called Talent X Opportunity. Which for people who don't know, Andreessen Horowitz funds some of the largest companies in the world. Yeah. And you've got that in the bag, honey. Like now I think it's off to the races. It's the hustle right now, me putting my head back down. Yeah, now yeah. you have to show it. You I have, have to, to show prove it. it. It's even harder. So yeah. how did you approach them? Thankfully, I was introduced to them by my good friend, Anish Patel, who you definitely need on this podcast. And so they were doing interviews. So the introduction happened at the right time. Honestly, when it comes to raising capital, it's almost like dating because timing, my friend, is everything. You can keep trying, but when the universe is really for you, it will prove itself. So that's what happened. They were genuinely interviewing founders. I was probably one of the last few founders that they chose to be in this cohort. And so... TXO, I want everyone to know, started at the height of the resurrection of the BLM movement late 2020. And I don't take that opportunity lightly to know that it was the advocacy of young Black people that allows me to be in this position today. Yes. So I am one of the few South Asian founders in this cohort. Everyone else is mostly a Black founder. I got and to I'm meet excited. some of them. Yes, they were amazing. And... I was shocked being there myself when I was with you because I realized everyone there was a minority. Yes. And in my world, the way I was raised, including you, we didn't know people like us could get funding, let alone like an Indian girl from Queens. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And here you are. That's what it was. The stories of all the founders. I mean, they come from like this crazy, crazy epic backgrounds. And for them, this funding is literally like make it or break it. And same for me, no doubt. And so I don't take this funding lightly at all. And I'm so grateful for it. And this is why I keep telling myself every day, if I'm not working 10 times harder, I'm not doing it right. Yes. So you had to pitch yourself. Yeah. So like, how did you get that confidence to go up to them and not be afraid and pitch? It's one thing to get the opportunity, but being ready, like, did you practice in your bathroom? Like, how does this work? Yeah, I practiced for almost at this point, The good thing was that I had practiced almost, you know, for a year, year and a half. And my pitch has taken so many different shapes and forms. Some people, my pitch is too story driven. Some people, my pitch is too um, numbers driven. So I've had to find this sweet middle ground, which I'm still very much working on. I think your pitch will continue to evolve with you as a founder in your company's journey. But I think the beauty of when I did pitch to Tori and Kofi, who are my mentors, you met Tori yes. that day, she's a sweetheart. 
I think the beauty of pitching to them was the fact that the second I finished, they literally looked at me and they said, oh, we get it. It was just so simple. It was easy. And you're doing it from the heart. That's yeah. why you started Brown Girl for fun. Yeah. That's why it's real. And people want to be a part of it. And it just is something that we organically grew because the community supported us. Yeah. And I think that's been the big motivating driver for myself is, yeah. wait, the community needs this and wants this. That allows me to wake up every day. But I was able to, in like a very like organic, simple human way, talk to Kofi and um, Tori, which is different from other VCs. There's a lot of VCs and angels out there who do come to these meetings with a really large chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And it's frustrating because I truly feel like they're gatekeeping. Yes. They're not even giving me valid advice to then go home and make my deck better. And that's the energy they're coming in with. You don't even feel confident when you're pitching to them. Yeah. Yeah. I've stumbled so many times. It's crazy because I was doing like maybe, you know, anywhere between like five to eight pitches a week. And it was the minute the Zoom started when I knew, oh, am I going to ace this pitch or am I going to fumble the whole time? And it all had to do with someone else's energy. So either you have to be super confident and not care about anyone's energy, which is very troublesome Easier for me. Said than done. Exactly. I thrive off of someone else's energy. Same. We're energy driven. If you make me feel comfortable, I will give you 200% of yeah. my personality. But if you don't make me feel comfortable... I'm a cancer, so I will literally go hide. We've seen that with each other. Like for me to want to get to notice, know someone, I have to hang out with you a few times and you're the same way because we pick up on energy and like, how does this person make me feel versus giving you everything on day one? And if it's organic, then it's just like a beautiful thing. So I'm again, so grateful to TXO and the mentors because they allowed me to just be myself and they still continue to. So it's a six month incubator program. And I think the program itself, it's cool because they have two really big pillars. One is they're looking for founders who have not gone to an Ivy League. I went to a state school. I was going to say, I listened to How I Built This by Guy Moraz a lot. Almost every single founder has gone to an Ivy League school. So for the rest of us, you wonder... Well, I didn't go to Wharton, yep. so what now what? Yep, and I don't have that alumni connection, mm-hmm. you know? When they told me they're looking for founders who didn't go to a state school, like, I literally squealed because I'm yes. obsessed with Stony Brook University. <laughs> so I was like, you're proud. I'm so proud of it. I spent five years there, and I yeah. did everything. I was in a sorority, did all the brown stuff. Yeah. And yeah, and so I was just, like, bragging about Stony Brook. They didn't yeah. care, but I was bragging. And then the second pillar is they want companies that have had a cultural breakthrough, when they said that to me, I was like, what? Sign me up. Literally. I'm your girl. Literally. And I was just like, obviously praying every day that we get accepted. And I did get the acceptance. And that same day I tested positive for COVID. The happiest <laughs> I remember. Positive. I definitely told you right Because I couldn't see you for some reason. Yes. And you had COVID. And yes. it was the happiest positive COVID ever. <laughs> I missed Christmas and Christmas Eve and all that with my family and in-laws. And everyone in my family was like, it's okay, beta. Yeah. Just rest, rest, rest. That's all you need. I rested for 10 days. Yeah. It was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And so proud of you. So proud to call you. Not only just someone I look up to in you know, the female founder space, but a friend. I am bugging out right now. Yeah. I'm bugging out. And I will not you. cry. I'm trying not, not to cry too I will now. Not cry. And um, thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you. The way that you do this, it's epic. I'm obsessed with you. Thank you. Bye, Trisha. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. 
If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chat. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.